0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby line Out podcast. Uh, greetings from Philadelphia, where I find myself this evening. Unfortunately, it seems to be a slightly noisy moment in the hotel downstairs. It's one of those hotels where um, this has guy, this middle the hotel rooms are all built around a central area very sort of 70s style and uh, as a consequence uh, sounds tends to echo and there seems to be a fairly noisy party downstairs but uh, hopefully you guys won't pick up too much of that um and we can press on but yeah an interesting couple of weeks uh since the last uh rugby podcast um rugby line out podcast not too much going on other than the uh super rugby final, which concluded last weekend, which was uh, an outstanding final between the Chiefs and the Crusaders, and saw the Crusaders really become legends of the competition as they uh, won their seventh consecutive title under outgoing coach Scott Robertson, who now departs to take over the reins of the All Blacks after the World Cup. So that was the big highlight of, in many ways, the last uh, two weeks. But also things now to look forward to, Uh, particularly, I think, for us here in Canada, cannot say it enough how excited I am about the upcoming Pacific Four series concluding rounds uh, next weekend and the weekend after that, all taking place at TD Place in Ottawa. Um, Like I say, if you can get to Ottawa and get behind our absolutely outstanding Canadian women, uh, then you know please make sure you can and let's try and and make td place over the coming two weekends for those two canada games an absolute sellout i would be there myself uh, unfortunately i am required to go down to texas for annual recurrent simulator training so unfortunately uh i am going to miss both those weekends but had i been at home and not working then i would definitely have found myself uh on a train or plane to ottawa to uh, go and cheer on the ladies uh, the other big uh, talking points this week obviously are the rugby championship is just around the corner and essentially with European club rugby all signed sealed and dusted for the year until after the world cup uh, the rugby the super rugby uh, is now finished so the rugby championship just around the corner albeit an abbreviated version this year in a world cup year um, it's basically international rugby now, from now until the end of the World Cup at the end of October. So lots to to look forward to. Um, so yeah, um, that's really what got, got me thinking and talking this week. Um, obviously I think as well, you know, sadly I'm going to bring it up again, but um, as I mentioned on the blog. Uh, some events that came out of the Super Rugby final has once again, for I think all the wrong reasons, brought the whole issue of officiating to the fore again. But what I'm concerned about this week is not necessarily per se the officiating. It was the really unfortunate backlash against the referee in that final, Paul O'Keefe, and how distasteful I, I, and many, many people, uh, players themselves found that. And then, uh, you've probably all seen it, uh, Johnny Sexton gets his hearing uh, on July 13th for his behavior at the Heineken Cup final, um, and maybe he needs to take ahead of that uh, a leaf out of Rodan O'Gara, uh, fellow former Irish number 10's playbook. Um, given the fact that both of them have a propensity for mouthiness at least Ronan O'Gara, after his slightly unsportsmanlike behavior um, at the conclusion of the top 14 final between his side, La Rochelle and Toulouse, he's come out and made a formal public apology um, for some of the comments he made. And I think Sexton could probably do himself and Ireland a big favor by trying to do the same. Whether or not he will do that remains to be seen, but so far I find his is silence on the whole issue fairly ominous and probably not going to serve him very well come that hearing on July the 13th. So there you go. That's what kind of got me thinking over the last two weeks. But um, certainly for me, the big thing, the, that i'm sort of most excited about is uh the forthcoming pacific four series in ottawa and finally a chance for canadian rugby to shine at long last uh in 2023 because let's be really honest so far in canadian rugby terms 2023 is turning out to be a year to forget except when it comes to women's rugby uh the men's game in canada Uh, I would say so far this year in 2023 has been an unmitigated disaster. Um, The Arrows had their worst season ever in the MLR, and the national team is without any, the national men's team is without any meaningful fixtures for at least the rest of the year. Um, But for Canadian women's rugby, however, it's a completely different story. 2023 could be a massive year for the ladies in red. Um, following on from their stellar World Cup campaign in New Zealand last year. I personally think they are very well placed to take at least a strong second place finish in this year's Pacific Four series, being played out in Ottawa next month. And as a result of that, they could find themselves um, very highly seeded for the new competition that's starting uh, this fall. Uh, developed by World Rugby for the Women's 15 game. And it's this Women's 15 tournament that's going to be held every year in the fall. And um, it it will, if Canada can, can, you know, at least secure, which I think they're very much in the running to do so, secure a strong second place, at least in the Pacific Four series, then they'll find themselves at the very top of that competition in terms of, of who they're competing against. So that is very, very exciting um and yeah I I just think it's it's heady heady times for uh, women's rugby in Canada and I think they look set to continue to be a, a dominant force in in world women's rugby however let's not get too carried away um there is the still the business at hand to be dealt with in the Pacific Four series Canada's first game uh, next weekend is against world champions. Uh, new zealand's black ferns who are just fresh off uh earlier this morning a 50 nil thumping of australia um so yeah let's be really honest um i i would like to say otherwise but i do think it's a tall order for as good as canada is for them to to knock off the black ferns next weekend um, I think in all reality, Canada is going to bring a very proud fight to the women in black, but New Zealand, um, along to a certain degree with England and France, I think are in such a class of their own right now, it's hard to see them stumbling up to a fired up Canadian team, even on home soil. Um but I think the experience that, that Canada is going to gain this weekend and the experience they you know they gained in that heartbreaking loss uh, in the semifinals at the World Cup to France will stand them in really good stead for later in the year at the the women's 15 tournament. Um, and as I say I, I just think it, it'll be excellent preparation for them. However, it's the second weekend that I think from a Canadian perspective we are almost, the most interested in that sees Canada take on Australia. And I am fairly certain that this is a game that Canada can and should win. It's not to, to say anything negative about Australia. Australia has some genuinely dangerous players in their ranks, but I think they lack the clinical organization that, that has served Canada so well up till now. So I, you know, I really do think Canada are in with a chance against Australia, a very, very strong chance. And with that, uh, that should see them finish a very, very strong second in this tournament. So, yeah, it's I think it's going to be a great couple of weekends for uh, women's rugby in Canada. And it's my sincere hope that TD Place in Ottawa is an absolute sellout for both of those Canadian games. We're long overdue to have something to celebrate rugby-wise here in Canada and the inspirational Sophie de Goody and her charges who are just outstanding should be just the ticket. So like I say, if you haven't got one already, you've got some time off over the next two weekends, get yourself up to Ottawa and, and get behind the ladies because they really, really deserve our support. Uh, next up rugby championship, just around the corner uh, next weekend. We will see the opening round. It's only three, it's only three weekends uh, this year, as opposed to the normal six, whereas the, um, Normally the tournament sees uh, each of the countries play each other once at home and once away. So for example, South Africa would play uh, New Zealand in South Africa and then in New Zealand, or like they did last year, the sort of the format where uh, the countries play each other twice, but in a mini sort of tour format. So last year, New Zealand went and played South Africa twice in South Africa. This year it's only one, one game each against each other. So uh, it's only spread over three weekends. Um, So very much it's, you know, it's an abbreviated affair. And in many ways it's a very much sort of a quick fire type tournament this year. But it leaves us with so many questions. Um, Due to the World Cup being just around the corner, like I say, it's, it's, it's an abbreviated format where they only play each other once as opposed to twice in the normal home and away structure. And that means essentially that if any of these teams want to get their hands on the silverware this year, there's no room for mistakes. Um, If any of them are to walk away with this year's trophy, the only realistic option is to win all three of your matches, such as the caliber of the opposition this year, Um, despite some of the lingering question marks around all four teams. But, you know, I think, you know, sure you could lose a game and still win the tournament, but I think in reality, if you... If you are really serious about lifting that trophy and at the end of the, the three weekends, you kind of got to win all your all your games. I think for me, Australia perhaps posed the biggest conundrum with new boss and former England coach Eddie Jones taking over the reins of, of running the Wallabies. Um, there's, a, there's a real divided camp on whether or not Jones will turn Australia into a genuine World Cup contender in the space of a mere four months. Um, especially after Australian sides, with the exception of the Brumbies, for the most part failed to make any impression in terms of international competitiveness and the recently com- concluded Super Rugby Championship. You know, let's face it, it was really only the Brumbies who were, who were in with a shot there. Um, Australia do benefit from two of their games being played at home this year. Um, however, their campaign is faced with a very daunting start as they have to face the Springboks at altitude on the road in Pretoria however if they come out of that in good shape then it's back home to face first the all blacks and then the pumas i'm i'm not gonna lie i can't see them getting the better of of new zealand um, especially given super rugby form for australian sides but a strong second place finish in the championship would set them up well for what should be a relatively easy start to their world campaign given a very favorable draw in the pools the only thing I think Australia really needs to worry about at this stage is, is, is injuries, which have consistently plagued Australian sides um, in international competition and, and going into the World Cup. For Argentina, I think although their rugby championship draw may look less than favourable, as they find themselves with only one home game. I think there's some genuine opportunities on offer. Uh, their first game is against the All Blacks in Mendota. And New Zealand tend to be a bit shaky in their first game of the international season. By the same token, it's also Argentina's, but many of their squad will be recently returned from some really intense European seasoning. Admittedly, New Zealand have also just finished dominating Super Rugby. But, you know, I think New Zealand tend to need a game together to work out all their kinks. And I think Puma's coach, Michael Cheka, will be keenly aware of that. Add in, you know, the fanatical uh, home support uh, that the Pumas have. And I think Mendoza is going to be a daunting arena for the All Blacks to get their 2023 season underway. After that, though, it's it's a tough schedule on the road for the Pumas with a, a long trip to Sydney and Johannesburg. Um, you know, I think they're going to put up very spirited performances, but in all reality, for Argentina, the rugby championship is – a tournament about preparation for the World Cup um, rather than actual silverware. So we'll see. New Zealand, I think, looks set to continue their dominance of, of the tournament, with their trump card being that their most difficult game is to be played at home. Um, the trip to Argentina could be a potential banana skin, but that's followed up by hosting the Springboks in Auckland, though strangely enough, for some reason, not at Fortress Eden Park. Um, South Africa posed more questions than answers for me at the moment. And should the Springboks arrive buoyed by a comprehensive defeat of the Wallabies in the opening round, then I think you'll you'll I think it's safe to say that that Auckland fixture is likely to be the highlight of the, of the tournament, especially if the All Blacks come unstuck in Argentina. However, I can't f- help feeling that New Zealand head into the tournament as had hands down favourites. Um, but it will require a focus right from the get go that the all black sides have in the past traditionally struggled with and then lastly south africa you know like australia they have a favorable draw this year playing two of their games at home first up they have the wallabies on the highveld in pretoria which you know i think given the competitiveness of south african sides in europe this year the springboks should be considered favorites for next up is the long trip to new zealand but like i've already said the the match is strangely not being played in the All Blacks traditional stronghold of Eden Park for some strange reason best known to the organizers i mean there's not an ed sheeran concert on there or anything like that that i know of so i i really don't know why it's been play, being played at mount smart stadium and not eden park especially given that you know an all blacks springboks fixture is one of the biggest events in in the all blacks you know, international calendar. I, I don't get that. But anyway, we'll see. But then after that, it's it's um, back to Ellis Park for the Springboks for another high altitude contest with Argentina and Johannesburg. You know, I think despite some of the question marks hanging over South Africa as a result of a, a slightly concerning injury list, my money's still on them to finish a strong second and in the process build nicely for what let's be completely honest here is a very daunting world cup pool with ireland and scotland uh, probably the most daunting world cup of of, of any of the, the four pools so that's the rugby championship um and yeah that's super rugby final uh, great game and you know what a great way for uh scott robertson to finish a remarkable tenure as coach of the crusaders and head on to you know the international stage with with the all blacks after this world cup um you know i i think he's he's him in charge is going to make this the the all blacks a force to be reckoned with um i mean they still are a force to be reckoned with but he's i think he's going to be going to be bringing something extra um And let's face it, you know, Scott Robertson and his Crusaders are the most successful franchise in Super Rugby history. End of argument. Um, Under his tutelage, you know, the Crusaders have won the title seven years in a row. uh, Capped off by last weekend's tight win over the Chiefs. You know, the Crusaders have lifted the Super Rugby silverware in its various guises of, of the competition 14 times since the competition started in 1996 at the start of the professional professional era. That's unparalleled dominance. I mean, it's kin to sort of like, you know, something like Manchester United in football or something like that. So remarkable track record. I think although the match was marred by some of controversy in its officiating um, that perhaps took some of the shine off this rather special victory, there's no denying that Robison and his charges are perhaps one of the best organized and most adaptable rugby sides on the planet. Add in the exceptional skills of guys like fly half Richie Moanga as your playmaker and points kicker, that incredible sort of spine of that tight five with Cody Taylor at hooker uh, and Scott Barrett and Sam Whitelock in the locks. Um, and you you just have a lethal unit. Um Will Jordan at fullback. Um, but I think, you know, more than anything, one of the the surprise well, not the surprise, that's the wrong term to use. One of the real revelations of this Crusaders season has been Winger Lester Fanganuku. Like wow. Um really, really impressive. Um, you know, very, very exciting player. And I think like everybody, we just we just can't wait to uh, see him in an All Blacks jersey. Now that he's part of the All Blacks training squad for the uh, Rugby Championship, that is that is a prospect that uh, is very very exciting to look forward to. Can't wait to to see him in an All Blacks jersey. But also, by the same token, um, you know the Chiefs have got some real star power as well, and. I think you know guys like um, Sean Stevenson as well. I mean, what a powerhouse that guy is! Um, you know, uh, just and Imoni Narawa uh, on on the wing, just just fantastic. Damian McKenzie had a great game. There's there's so much on display in that match uh, from both sides, and with many of those players now being slated for for All Blacks duty in the coming months, impressive very very impressive um but yeah in short it it was a final that lived up to its billing and and provided us with an enthralling contest you know i still think scott robertson may be untested at at an international level but there's no denying that his appointment as all blacks coach after the world cup is probably the most eagerly anticipated coaching decision since fabian galt took over france Um, you know, I think the all blacks need to break out of their traditional mold and the old crusaders break dancing King has now surely proven that he's the man to do it. So that's super rugby. Uh, and then we just talk about officiating now and a couple of things, good positives and negatives. I think for me, the big, um, negative about that super rugby final was, I was really disturbed. I, I know a lot of people feel this the, the same way, um, was the absolute vilification of referee Paul O'Keefe after um, he missed a forward pass. And some people are saying, well, because he missed that forward pass, that's why the Crusaders won, and bitter Chiefs fans are saying, that's why the Crusaders won, and we need better at this level. You know, and, and he was booed off the pitch and so on and so forth. He made a mistake. Plain and simple. I don't think solely that mistake is why the, the the Chiefs lost that game. A lot of their discipline, particularly towards the latter stages of the game, was poor. Um, and I still hold that um, that the Crusaders would have won that that game even without um, the decisions surrounding that missed forward pass. You know, as former referee and whistleblowing legend Nigel Odens once famously said, this is not soccer and it pains me that I've had to talk about officiating so much of late, but sadly the game is in danger of losing one of its core values and degenerating into the kind of free-for-all and often tasteless realm of association football. I thought that for the most part O'Keefe had a good game in officiating that final. Um, Unfortunately, to which he's openly admitted in his post-match review, he missed an obvious forward pass that led to a Crusaders try that could probably well have sealed their, that close 25-20 victory. However, by the same token, he o- also only handed out a yellow card to the chief center Anton Leonard Brown at the start of the match, on which many people felt should have been a red. And certainly the World Cup, it probably would have been a red. Had it been a red, then the result could have been a scoreline a lot more flattering to the Crusaders. You know, in short, referees will never have a perfect match. In general, I find O'Keefe to be a good and consistent referee who has an excellent officiating track record. However, at the end of the day, just like all of us, he's human and will occasionally make mistakes. Whether or not the Chiefs would have won that game if the forward pass had been spotted and the resulting try denied is a debate that can go on for centuries. I mean, it's interesting. I just watched a video um, of the New Zealand rugby show, The Breakdown. And there, you know, they... uh, the, the pundits there, you know, Mills Moleana and uh Jeff Wilson, you know, they basically felt that despite that, the Chiefs still blew that game. So even if that forward pass had been spotted and that try denied, they still kind of blew that game. However, by the same token, it happened just before time, uh, before halftime, the, the miss pass, and the Chiefs had plenty of time to redress the outcome of that decision, and yet were unable to do so on the pitch. And that's basically what uh, was said in in the breakdown. I'd strongly recommend you go and watch it over on YouTube. You know, sometimes there are hard knocks in a game of margins, which last Saturday's contest was, and teams simply have to rise above them. Despite some truly heroic efforts, the Chiefs sadly were unable to do so, and the Crusaders, as they so often do, given their remarkable cohesion and skill sets, were able to do, do so um, by comparison. Consequently, as difficult as it may be for the Chiefs fans to swallow as a result, the Crusaders went on to emerge the winners in a contest that was well played by both sides. But like I say, you know, the resultant lynching that Paul O'Keeffe then received on social media and the abuse hurled at him and his family was truly disgraceful. He had the courage to come out and admit that he made a mistake and apologized for it. You know, rugby is a game based on the sacred value of respect for both players and officials. And fans not to honor that code is truly shameful. And it's made more so by the fact that several players on the losing side, the Chiefs, came out in O'Keefe's defense after the match. And that surely should be enough. As mentioned in, in previous blogs, and podcasts, I I find the growing lack of respect for officials deeply troubling and sincerely hope that players and fans will come together to reverse the trend as soon as possible. While I don't deny that some aspects of the officiating process could do with some refinement, especially ahead of such a high-stakes atmosphere as the World Cup, respect for the officials being asked to perform an often thankless and almost impossible task should still remain paramount. So, continuing on with the theme of respect, Johnny Sexton could do well to learn some humility from fellow Irish firebrand Ronan O'Gara. Um, you know, both these past and present Irish fly halves and legends of the modern game have a reputation of what I call misplaced mouthiness, but uh, the incumbent, i.e., Johnny Sexton, needs to follow in the steps of his predecessor and learn how to apologize, which Ronan O'Gara did to his credit this week. Um, you know, both Johnny Sexton, current Ireland captain of Fly Half, and his predecessor Ronan O'Gara, who also wore the 10 jersey for Ireland and now coach of European legends La Rochelle. You know, they both these guys have a reputation for not putting brain in gear before they open their mouths. Um, the outcome of Johnny Sexton storming onto the pitch and verbally assaulting referee Jaco Piper after his side lost to O'Gara's La Rochelle in this year's Heineken Cup final is yet to be determined, uh, yet to be determined. The hearing is on July the, the 13th. Um, but its resulting impact on Wa- Ireland's World Cup preparations and Sexton's career itself could be, could be massive. You know, Ronan O'Gara a fortnight ago then appeared a sour loser after he labeled Toulouse as an average side who somehow got the rub of the green in the recent top 14 final against his charges, uh, which Toulouse came out on top in. You know it smacked of a lot of uh, a lack of respect for your opponent while toulouse may not have played the greatest game they've ever played in their illustrious history they still had moments of magic encapsulated in that roman and tabac winning try which la rochelle simply had no answer to you know at the end of the day as a result toulouse emerged worthy winners unlike sexton ogara has since recognized that his comments were made in poor taste and showed a lack of respect for his opponents. While it still doesn't excuse his actions on the day, he has at least had the decency to recognize the error of his ways and has come out publicly and made a formal apology. Johnny Sexton, on the other hand, whose behavior was in many ways even more distasteful, has done no such thing. It's this arrogance and sense of entitlement which may, unlike O'Gara, seriously trip Sexton up both in the weeks to come regarding the outcome of his hearing and for his team during the World Cup. You know, he needs to learn that humility and respect are still the cornerstones of our game. And without them, we're in danger of rugby slipping into the tasteless abyss of many other sports. In short, Johnny, swallow your pride. There's still time and apologize. Well, that's it for this week, folks. I really hope the air quality is not ruining the start to your summer. And, uh, you know, for all of us here uh, in Canada and North American, general, spare a thought for the hundreds, if not thousands of brave souls combating the, fo- the forest fires this summer. Um, like I say, make sure you support our fabulous and courageous women at the Pacific Four Series in Ottawa in the following two weekends. And here's to an epic summer and autumn of Test Rugby. Uh, go over to the blog um over on the tv page there are links to the rugby canada uh ticketing website for the pacific four series in ottawa if you're not doing anything over the next two weekends if you live in ottawa or you live in toronto or montreal get up to ottawa you know give the ladies our support because a they've earned it and b they deserve it and this could be a great two weekends for canadian rugby So on that positive note, I will sign off and uh, yeah, I'll be talking to you just ahead of the rugby championship next. So take care everyone, stay safe, and I will talk to you soon.